Welcome back to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. I have something very special planned for you over the coming weeks. I'm sure you're aware, but I wrote a book, no big deal, called Best Hour of Their Day. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you're going to order it. It's available on Amazon as well as my own personal website, thejasonackerman.com, and the Best Hour of Their Day website as well. But after writing the book, I thought, how cool would it be to have an audiobook as well? So that's what we did. We now have an audio version of Best Hour of Their Day, and it's available on audible.com. I'll put the links on where to order the paperback, where to order the ebook, and of course, where to order the audiobook. But I decided to do something special when recorded the audiobook. I decided to take a deeper dive into each chapter. So if you've read the book, there's 30 chapters. And in each one of those chapters, I provide a story, a true story from my ownership of three affiliates, from my time on the seminar staff, from my time judging the CrossFit Games, and from my time running the regionals in the Northeast. And I took a deeper dive into each chapter. I was interviewed. And in those chapters, we go further along into more stories, more lessons. And of course, if you're listening, more advice. Nothing I did came without tons and tons of failure. Because of that failure, I really believe that's why ultimately I became successful. And I think it's important for all of you to hear that. So each chapter has another 30, 45, 60-minute discussion on what went down during that time in my life. So if you're interested in that, I highly recommend you check it out. But what I'm going to do, because I love giving back to this community, is once a week, put one of those discussions here on the podcast, best hour of their day. So you can listen to it absolutely free. If you love it, do me a favor, go check out the audiobook. maybe give it a download. If you don't like it, just listen to it and move on. And you can also, of course, always leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts. That really helps when you leave us a five-star glowing review about this podcast. Of course, if you have questions for me about the book, if you have questions for me about box ownership, if you have questions for me about anything in life, I'll do my best to answer them. You can email me directly, day at gmail.com. But I really hope you enjoy it. I was interviewed by James McDermott, a former coach of mine, longtime friend now, and it really was a interesting, fascinating, and really humbling experience to go back and look at all these chapters and look at all these stories. I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here you go. The next chapter of best hour of their day. Go. All right, Jay, here we are talking about chapter three, life is a series of dips. Now, right away at the very beginning of the chapter, you quoted Steve Carell, AKA Michael Scott. And the quote was, why don't I tell you what my greatest weaknesses are? And he goes on to explain what his weaknesses are. You know, things like I work too hard, I care too much, and sometimes I can be too invested in my job. So I thought it'd be interesting to hear from you. What are some of, in your opinion, your greatest weaknesses that maybe aren't as flattering as Michael Scott's? Oh, I love that. And for those of you listening, The Office, you must watch The Office. If you've not watched it, pause this book. Go watch all seven seasons, come back, and then listen to this book. It's, I've been it'll through it at least. It'll make you a better least, coach. <laughs> it'll make you a better coach, a better human being. I've watched the full series at least 
three times from start to finish, once by myself, once with Roz, and then once again by myself. It's just my, they say that the office in particular of TV shows is notorious for relaxing people because you know exactly what to expect out of the characters. So there's no, like, you're never nervous. You're never like, what's going to happen? But anyway, that's um, like on The Walking Dead, where the first three seasons, you're having anxiety attacks. Correct. Or like, I've never watched that or Game of Thrones, but I know there's always crazy twists and whatnot where you're like, all right, I know Michael Scott's going to be inappropriate. I know Jim is going to look at the camera, you know, and, and you get really comfortable because it takes place primarily in the same set. So you feel at home. But anyway, that's one of my favorite quotes. I've used it numerous times. So my biggest weakness, ooh, good. First of all, for those listening, I get really excited for these calls with James. You know, we were doing just about one chapter a day and it's fun to reminisce deeper than just what I was able to think of because you're pulling out things I forgot about when writing the book. So this is great from my perspective and hopefully the listeners are enjoying this bonus footage. My biggest weakness used to be, I would say, punctuality. And I say used to be, I still work on it, but as you probably remember, many a coach's meeting started late. And, yep. and then I would get mad at- Started at 10.35 with a couple pugs coming in and Marley and a whole yes. seat. It, it, was, it was crazy. And, and now I realize how disrespectful that is. Like I try to be on time to everything. I mean, even this call, like we're always, you know, you and I have a time on the calendar and give or take a minute, we're both typically on. So punctuality is something I'm always working on. And then I would say um, maybe a little sympathy. Sympathy is probably my weakness. I think if we can distinguish sympathy and empathy, right, they're two different things. I'm getting better at empathizing, but bad at sympathizing. Meaning, you know, my wife, Roz, will complain about something hormonally or a woman thing. And I try to put myself in her shoes where oftentimes that's not what she needs. It's just a hug, right? And hey, it's okay. And so that's a weakness I'm working on to the, you know, and I think, I think I'm improving on both of those, you know, and then obviously, like you said, I care too much. My biggest weakness. <laughs> I care, care too much. <laughs> now, so let's, let's flip the coin. Uh, what about greatest strengths? So like you, that last one, you care too much that can be construed as, as a strength as well. But what are, what are things that you think that you're particularly good at and you excel at? Ooh, I don't know what I'm good at. I mean, I think I'm good at, with years of hard work, that empathy piece. Like I think over the years, especially coaching thousands of people and, and probably seminar staff has helped tremendously. We talk about that later, but really just understanding that you never know what anyone else is going through and, you know, be it someone cuts you off at a traffic light where your immediate reaction is like that asshole versus like, Hey, maybe they're in a rush and they're having an emergency, you know, or just, you know, someone has to reschedule or whatever the case is, just thinking to yourself, okay, you know, I think, I, I forget who the original quote is, but I heard it through Tim Ferriss and it was, don't attribute to malice what can be attributed to ignorance or stupidity. And I think oftentimes something goes wrong and our first reaction is like, you know, F this person and they're an asshole and this and that, where really it's like, hey, maybe they're ignorant, which isn't, ignorant has a bad connotation. They just don't know any better you know, and, yeah. or, and, or they're dumb. Like sometimes it's like, Hey, that person's just dumb. They're not trying to be a jerk. They're just a dumb person. Like there's plenty of those people out there. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't have their coffee today. And it's kind of interesting how you might have that reaction when you're in your car, but you would have a totally different reaction 
if you were just walking on the sidewalk and that person cut you off, you know, I think we get a little more hostile when we're behind the wheel, most people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like I said, it's really just, a, you know, we talk about it later in the book because Austin said it to me at a level one and he was just like, you never know what other people are going through. And we often think about it from our perspective, like, you know, I got up really early this morning, got to sleep late. So I'm a little tired today, you know, so maybe I'll be a little grumpy and, and someone might just meet me and be like, that guy's a jerk. When it's like, no, I got five hours of sleep, had a bunch of calls today, you know, recording this with you. And I think people just need to stop and realize that. And same holds true as a coach, right? We, we joked about Marie Marie in a previous chapter and it's like, I used to get so mad at her, but who knows? Like maybe she is in the witness protection program. <laughs> who knows? And, and she just doesn't want to tell us. I'm kind of nervous talking about her right now on this. On this, so I might be listening to this audiobook and be like, "Hey, that sounds like someone I know and or I'm looking for." Hey, if this book comes out and either James, myself, or both of us disappear, we need you guys to look to Marie Marie. Yeah, <laughs> you won't find any photos of her, but. <laughs> Do some digging. Yeah. So um, now you you mentioned that your one of your greatest weaken, weaknesses is that you care too much, just like Michael Scott. And that kind of played into some struggles you had as a box owner, uh, particularly in giving out free memberships. Uh, in the text, you mentioned that you, you guesstimated that you might have given out about five years worth of free memberships to people. And they weren't always the most deserving people, potentially. Maybe they were friends, someone you were bartering with. Now, one, uh, who is someone who's deserving of a free membership? And is it something that maybe should just really never really happen? You know, and we're joking, but I really do believe deep down I care too much when it comes, not everything in life, don't get me wrong. But when it comes to coaching, I just really want to help everybody and I want everyone to have an opportunity. So yeah, I gave out, when I said five years, as you said, I'm like, that's wrong. It was more because there were people that just never paid, um, you know, and let's, so are there people that deserve it? Absolutely. You remember Thunder John? I do. Yep. He came <laughs> back a couple years ago. He did come back for like a class or two and him and Johnny G. Oh man. It was like two brothers who hadn't seen each other in like 10 years and they were just all giddy. So quick backstory, Thunder John and Johnny G are two amazing individuals, adults, they have special needs. And Johnny G, if you had to ask me who my favorite person ever at Albany CrossFit was, hands down, Johnny G. He man. just a good attitude. I, when I came back to Albany a couple of years ago and saw him, it, he lit up. I've never had that reaction from anyone in my life. And he's just a great person. He, he had fun. But, you know, so, you know, those are two people that have special needs. Johnny G, though, held down a great job for the state, like made, you know, what I would assume to be enough money to survive, did a lifetime membership. But Thunder John struggled a little bit financially and, you know, he had special needs. So some of it was, you know, just holding down a job and, and he was a little bit lazy in there. Let's throw that in there. But, but yeah. I would give him a membership and he would be someone that I think I didn't mind giving it to because he added to the community. He made me feel good about giving him something. And, and it was appreciated. I think that's really what you're looking for. I'm not going to use specific names. You can probably figure out who I'm talking about, James. But there was a couple at Albany CrossFit. And I would 
often give them free memberships and they had regular jobs. And these, this was the couple that I talked about earlier where it was like, we had talked about a discounted or free membership. The very next day on social media, they were out with sushi dinner, having a sushi dinner. And you know, that's your membership right there. That's a month's pay. So it's the people that truly are trying and can't afford it, be it a single parent, you know, be it someone with special needs, be it someone that's just having a hard time in that moment. I'm never upset about it, but I need to really feel as if it's legitimate and also like they're appreciating it. I found over the years, the people you gave free memberships to were the same people that were the first to complain and the first to be not appreciative of what was going on at the box. Or um, potentially stop coming all together. It's uh, it a weird phenomenon. Remember the 90 day challenge that we used to yeah. do? Of course, and the 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 winner would get a, a year's membership for free, you know, by winning the challenge. And so many of those winners, they would all of a sudden stop coming to the gym. If they're like, it's all some that like they were just like, well, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. I accomplished all I can with CrossFit. And you thought that it would be something that would help them to come in even more, or just really invest even deeper in their fitness and health. And it, it almost went the other way. It's uh, they just stopped coming in at, at that point. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, the notion of people need to be pot committed in some respect. You don't necessarily need to be charged fully $150, $200 a month, but I think there needs to be some exchange of money. And I'm, I'm still a fan of bartering. I think it's still acceptable. I mean, it, maybe I did a little too much back in the day. I was giving like a massage a week or chiropractic care and all of that. But at least when you're exchanging services, you're still exchanging your time. So yeah. I, th I think that's okay. I think you need to be aware of it, but I think, you know, that could be something that benefits both businesses. And also, you know, you're, you're getting services without paying out of pocket. You're not collecting money. So there's that aspect to it, but the free membership thing is something I would definitely be resistant to now in the future. Yeah. M most members probably need some skin in the game to be held accountable and actually like appreciate what they're doing. Now with the bartering, you know, the chapter is called uh, a series of dips. Are there, are there any dips or potential barters that you made that you wish you wouldn't have and that you think box owners should stay away from? I don't have any regrets as far as bartering. I think if anything, I benefited too much on the barters because the people I bartered with were the people I actually wanted their service. So, you know, Dr. B is a great example. She was my chiropractor for years, someone I still talk to. And, and we would barter and she would actually, you know, see most of the staff at one point. I know you were seeing her and a couple other people. So that was a great barter. And she would come in, not as much as I would have liked, uh, or other massage therapists that I would go to. So no, no, no really bad, you know, or um, Nate, remember Nate at Chipotle? Yeah. So, I mean. They, they knew us at Chipotle. They still know yeah, us, but. Yeah, free Chipotle. You can't go wrong with that. And we definitely had the better side of that barter. Um, but I would just. Be aware of it, limit it, make sure that it's not getting out of hand and make sure both parties are, are feeling like they're getting out what they need. I think that's the one mistake I would have made, like sat down with Dr. B and said, hey, what can we do to make sure you're also getting what you need out of this exchange? Yeah, like, like members coming in to see you, exposure, promotion, things like that. Absolutely. Cool. Well, deeper in the chapter, uh, we... we, we in the chapter, we go through highs and lows. <laughs> and the first high would be your friendship with Jess 
and how you met her and developing that relationship and forming it through CrossFit. And then we go through a dip in that relationship as well and a big learning experience. So can you kind of explain for everyone your background with Jess from the text? So it wasn't really elaborated too much on how you met or really the foundation of your relationship and also CrossFit. Yeah, so Jess and I actually met pre-CrossFit. We were introduced by our mutual friend, John, you know, who was a member of the gym. We talked about him previously. He was one of my one-on-one clients who eventually became one of my first CrossFit members. And he was in that Troy, New York area and very close with Jess. And before CrossFit, he introduced me just because we were both single. And we went on a handful of dates, I think. And I remember we talked about this earlier as well. Like Jess and I, she to this day was one of my uh, most fun and most memorable first dates. And, you know, it was, a, it was like one of those like, hey, we're, we're getting introduced. It's somewhat of a blind date thing. I remember we went to Ichiban in Albany, New York, which during my single period, I ate 99% of my meals from. And we just had a tremendous first date. Like nothing ever became of a relationship between us. Like we remained friendly. But I remember sitting there at that at Ichiban and, and both her and I were like, hey, this is going really well. Like, let's do this again. And then this was right around the period of time where the show Lost was on TV, um, the television show Lost. So John and Jess and myself and all of Jess's sisters, we would get together regularly, watch Lost. Around this time, I opened CrossFit. Jess comes in. And let me give you the first time Jess walks in. She comes in. And it was the very same day I had made somebody else pass out. So it was filthy 50 day at the gym. That morning, uh, Dave, remember Dave Garvey? Is he still at the gym? Oh, yeah. Uh, Every now and then I'll see Dave. He comes in mostly to do maybe some of the group exercise classes, maybe a little handball or racquetball. Seems every now and then. 75 at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's getting older. In great shape. So this is what, 15 years ago. So he's 60. And it's filthy 50 day. And I was one-on-one. This was a one-on-one of my one-on-one clients. I'd taken him to filthy 50s. He finishes filthy 50s. You know, somewhat scaled. He didn't have double unders, but he did all the burpees, all the box jumps, all the wall ball. And so this is probably September in, in the Albany area. So it's, you can get a really nice day out. I remember it's like Chris Bear. We go outside. He's tired. We sit down on the stairs that lead up to the main entrance of the court club. And he just, eyes roll back, passes out. Oh, my gosh. So I, I panic, and I'm like, run in what you're supposed to do. Call 911. And he, he comes back to it. But I'm like, hey, Dave, the ambulance is here. They're going to take you away. And, and as he's being wheeled away, I remember him saying, I'm going to get you for this and sign me up for CrossFit. <laughs> did, did he ever get you for this? <laughs> well, we just had a great relationship during my time there and still a great you know, person. And, and that very, so the, you know, the, days go, the day goes by and the night comes and Jess is brought in for her first class. She too passes out. Now she's a little younger. We get her, I think some Gatorade out of the fridge upstairs at the, at the court club and she signs up and she really hit the ground running. She was, like my best member ever brought in so many people from Troy, New York. She's got three sisters. They were all members, her mom, her aunt, her cousins. And she became my very first coach outside of myself and my you know, girlfriend at the time. Jess really held down the fort for me. I was going to all these specialty seminars. 
Jess was always around to coach classes. We talked about, you know, the workout that she made, luck of the Lasky, where she, she would just throw things together. But she really got passionate about CrossFit, had a good job outside of that, but would come in every night and either coach or work out or help out with the on-ramps. She was, she was just a phenomenal member. Just very involved and into the community you were building. Well, yeah, and she was the community. I mean, Troy, New York was really huge in, in, at Albany CrossFit. I mean, like I said earlier, it was uh, Toph and MJ and Ted and um, Alana and Jared. And I, I could think, you know, there's more, but those are off the top of my head, you know, probably 10 or 20 people that she brought in. Now, just to kind of stay on the, the, the topic of two members passing out in the same day, that's a, that's a pretty traumatic moment for maybe the members, but also for the coach. Uh, how did you recover from the first one? And then what went through your mind when it happened again, where you're like, we're never doing the Filthy 50 again or anything yeah, like that? I, I don't remember exactly what went through my mind other than realizing, okay, not everyone can go this hard right away. And I think that, you know, we talked about it. I think that was kind of the impetus for like, okay, we need to figure out this scaling thing. Yeah. And then it became like the filthy 50s where maybe you're doing 40, maybe you're doing 30. Uh, maybe there's a time limit at each station. But you also realize it was like, you know, Dave, although he was 60, was very fit, as was Jess. You know, she was a 5K runner. She, you know, she was younger. She was, she was lean and, and in good shape. Those were the people at most risk. And yeah. that's what they'll tell you about Rabdo. It's like the people that know what they have done in the past and can push themselves harder than they should. And they both did that. Yeah. Like when you said that Dave did the 50 burpees, I was like, I'm, I'm impressed. I remember uh, watching it. You know, it was a one, it was an hour session because I was training him one-on-one -on -one at the time. And I was like, well, we got plenty of time. Just do this. And then I, you know, to this day, I can see sitting right next to him on that top step at the core club eyes roll back and he just leaned back and I was like, call 911. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> so things are going good. People are hopefully not passing out as often. <laughs> uh, and Jess is helping out a lot at the gym. And then eventually it's time to part ways. Uh, there, there's a, another dip after we have a series of ups. Uh, can you elaborate more on this for people who are maybe not read this chapter yet or uh, expand upon your feelings for those who have? Yeah. So like we said, Jess was my best member, one of my only coaches at the time and her and her now husband, Ben, and I do want to tell that quick story, but her and her husband, Ben approached me and originally, you know, they were like, Hey, we might do a gym. We might want to include you. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. And then a week later, they're like, yeah, we're doing this thing on our own. We're opening up what became Collar City CrossFit in Troy and I lost my mind. I literally lost my mind. But let me tell the story. Okay, so, yeah. so, you know, like I said, Jess and I had a couple of dates, nothing happened. Then I started dating someone named Nikki and you know, her and I went into a long-term relationship as Albany CrossFit opened. And, you know, I see Jess again, you know, the lost parties were happening. We all became friendly and early days of Albany CrossFit, every weekend we would all go out together every single weekend. We would go to maybe, you know, uh, a, a party, a restaurant, and we would go to this hibachi place in downtown Albany. And it was cool because, like, if there was, like, 10 of us, we could all sit at a table, just chill out, you know, have some sake or, you know, Japanese beer, get some 
get some hibachi. I used to love the noodles. It was Saturday night. It was kind of my cheat night. And this one Saturday, Jess and I went together. I remember Nikki was out of town, you know, and Jess and I went just, to, you know, drove together and we show up and this guy, Ben, was there. You remember Ben? Uh, I might not have met him. I, I, probably if I saw him, I might, I might know. Okay, so this might have all happened before you even came here. So Ben, and I talk a little bit about it in the chapter, but vulgar guy, Marine, like tribal tattoos, but super nice, super genuine, really cared about the community. I remember, I remember certain people's first day at the gym and I remember Ben's. So we go to the Sabachi, Ben's there. And Ben is telling every vulgar story about the military and his past that he can at this table. And from a guy's perspective, it was funny. It was entertaining. But Jess is very proper. And we get back in the car to leave. Uh, you know, I think we had carpooled, so maybe I'm driving her back to her place or my place. And, and she go, and when the, the first thing she said when we get in the car was, I don't want to talk about it. That dude was disgusting. First thing she said, unprompted by me. So I won't go too long into this, but long story short, the two of them got married about a year later. So pretty crazy how she literally was disgusted by this guy. And I remember a couple of weeks later, seeing them come into the gym together out of the same car on a Saturday morning. And I was like, that's weird. And then it was like, they started getting a little closer. And finally they, they told me, they were like, we're dating. And I was like, that's awesome. But I, you hated this guy. What happened? And she's like, he turns out to be a nice guy. There you go. Just You, you can't judge a book by its cover all the exactly. time. Exactly. Exactly. So that's all going on there. They, they get married. And I think you were the best man at the wedding. I was the best man at the wedding. So this is all still, you know, while, while they're at the gym, it, it happened fast. They got married in Cape Cod. I was the best man, gave a speech, you know, had a really great time there. And then Right around after that, you know, they came home. Now that they have this income, you know, Jess was able to leave her job and she's like, I want to start this. They started and and like I said, I really didn't handle it well. I immediately fired her. Like that was my reaction. You're fired. Like you can't be here anymore. Just that as soon as you found out, like she breaks the news to you and you just lose a gasket. I lost it. I remember sitting down at the tables in the upstairs area of the court club, the lobby area, those little circle tables and being like, all right, we're done. You're fired. Don't come back. Wow. And, that, and so you didn't even have to think about it. You didn't even take any time. That was just your initial response. Yeah. I mean, here's what you have to remember. So this is probably 2008, maybe 2009. And there wasn't this idea that more boxes would open from you. Yeah. Right. You it might, was just, you might be the, first CrossFit gym to have other gyms sprout off of it other than HQ. Like you might be, might've been one of the first to, to it, experience this. It, you know, it might've been, I know there's a couple other early ones like CrossFit Milford had a bunch out of Connecticut that did it. I think CrossFit New England, Ben Bergeron's box had a few, but certainly I was right in that, you know, time frame with them. And it was like, there was no like, Hey, help them because it will benefit you. And, the more people doing CrossFit, the better for everybody. It was like, this girl's going, she's going to, A, I'm losing a coach. B, I'm going to lose 20 members, you know? And, and that's all that went through my head. I just saw red and rage rather than thinking to myself, hey, she, I've taught her enough that she wants to go do this on her own and make a living. And we can really both help one another with it. 
Yeah, and I think I think it's it's an acceptable reaction to maybe you come at it with some hostility and anger and and those types of emotions because you like if we go back a couple chapters, you know, you didn't have a lot of money. You took a risk to make an investment to start this business. It all started on a handshake with Shy. And so you're the one that's putting in all that time and making sacrifices to do this. And now it kind of feels feels like someone's attacking your baby and could potentially put you back out on the street. You know, if you like losing 20 members is is a big deal for a lot of gyms. Yeah, and and I don't know that I actually lost 20 members, you know, but that was my initial thought process. Yeah, and I think like you said, it's just like you're protecting your baby. Like this was all, especially at this point, it was growing. You know, I had quit everything else, working full time on this, giving 100% of myself. And then you feel like, and this person's attacking you. That's what it feels like. Like they're yeah, literally trying to take food off your table. Like when, when you're the one that's staying up all hours of the night, putting photos on the website and doing all that stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's understandable to feel that way. And I think someone reading the chapter may not understand that, but from, from a business owner standpoint, it's like you're, you're putting everything, every hour of your day, every second into this. So of course you're going to be a little, little on the edge when you hear something like that. Well, and I think one other thing to consider is you feel as if you've created this person. Like I've given you this opportunity. The only reason you can go do this and coach is because I don't remember, but I probably paid for her level one. Right. So it's like, I've given you this opportunity. I've put you in front of my members as the expert, as the head person. And now you're taking advantage of that and leaving me. So where, where did it go from, from there? You guys just, she's just gone that day. How did you, how did you deal with the members who are now asking that uncomfortable question? Well, Hey, where's, where's coach Jess? I think at the time I just was like, she's leaving, she's gone. You know, I didn't really go into it because in my mind I was like, well, I don't want to tell them she's opening a box, you know? And it was like, bear in mind, this was just the idea of it. They didn't have a space. They didn't have equipment. They didn't have a name. So it was very premature of me. So we didn't lose members right away. But once she opened, you know, it was a few months later, the members, and it wasn't as if they, it's because they love Jess. Obviously her family is going to go support her. But for a lot of the other people, it might have just been an easier location to get to, right, if it's closer to home. But we did keep some because Albany CrossFit was really centrally located. So a lot of people, although they may live closer to Collar City or closer to Troy, they still had to either pass through Albany off of 87 or 90, or maybe they worked downtown. So it wasn't as if we lost 100% of those people. But in my mind, again, I was like, that's what's going to happen. So that was the first gym to be born off of Albany CrossFit. Uh, how soon after till the next one, which I'm assuming would be beyond, right? I think, yeah, I think it would probably have been Joy's gym at CrossFit Beyond, which is in downtown Albany. Um, that was probably a year later, maybe now, a little less. Did you handle that one a little bit differently? I did handle that one a little bit differently. You know, and I think part of the reason I handled Jess so poorly was because she was my friend. Yeah. Right. She was, you know, we literally spent time together. It's like feeling betrayed. Where Joy, great person, you know, her daughter is a member, her, you know, now son-in-law, they met at Albany Cross. It's a Gene and Stacy. They have, they have kids, um, you know, Gene's a firefighter now, but Joy, I didn't see that often. She was a morning person. 
And also there was a little bit of drama associated around her and, and not, she's a great person. And I want to talk ill of her and we'll talk a little bit more about it in later chapters, but it was almost like, okay, go do your thing, Joy. Like we'll support you. And it was, you know, I also, I think had realized that it wasn't the end of the world when someone went and did it. You know, Jess had did it. It didn't bankrupt the gym. We still survived. We still actually grew. And I think knowing that I was a little more friendly about it with joy. Well, that's good to hear. So you're, you're, you're growing as an early entrepreneur and gym owner. How does it make you feel now when you look back and you see just the sheer number of gyms that can pretty much all trace their roots back to Albany CrossFit, even the ones that branched off of, let's say, like Shatter and Spur branched off of Beyond well, that still has roots all the way back to Albany CrossFit. So how does it make you feel when you see all that? In retrospect, I feel great about it. And, you know, and, and, and I don't want the listeners to think, oh, it got easy. There were still other people when Chad left, when Dean left, right, where I still took it very personally, especially the coaches like Dean and Chad that I really felt like I put a lot of effort into. Um, so it wasn't like it was just this miraculous switch that went off. You still take it pretty personally, but I also was a lot friendlier about it. I mean, when Chad opened Avitas, I let him borrow equipment. So it, it, to answer your question, it, it does make me feel good looking back. Like it, I look back and like now it's really through social media, but I follow all the local boxes, you know, um, and, and there's even more, right? Like Dean's box became Kia's box. So Kia and Viv, two of my oldest members now own a box. So to see more yeah. so just the impact CrossFit has had on them and to feel a little part of their journey. Like I'm sure they all would have found their way one way or the other with CrossFit, but knowing that I was actually the person that did it makes me feel pretty good. And even seeing people yeah. like you and Murph and the coaching staff, like in your intern development stuff, like just seeing the, the trickle down to these people's lives. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think that sometimes maybe, you know, there might be some gym owners out there who someone wants to come onto their staff and they may be hesitant to go all in investing in that person because of a fear of maybe, well, they might leave one day or this person looks like they might be capable or someone who might want to go off and do it on their own. Um, I think that it would probably be a mistake if, correct me if I'm wrong, to not go all in on investing on each of those people because they could leave one day. Like if anything, that should maybe be your goal is to get them to the point where they don't need you anymore and they're capable of going and starting a whole new community. You think that's a, that should be something that everyone should kind of work towards in the long run? Yeah. It would be like having children, but not trying to teach them every life skill, you know, so they still needed you. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think you can't look at it like, Hey, every person you interact with might leave you and might open their own gym. Cause I think It'd be very hard to not get a little bit jaded, but I would tell you after all those years, I mean, look at Albany CrossFit now. It, 20 gyms went from the only box in probably a hundred mile radius to one of many, and they're still open. You guys still have plenty of members. You're always getting new members. And as CrossFit grows, all of these boxes will grow. And, and the cool thing is all the boxes take on a culture and life of their own. So while there may be three boxes close to you, maybe they're going to go to one because they want to be a little more competitive. Maybe they'll go to another because 
they have an emphasis on kettlebells or maybe they'll go to yours because you're just the best coaches in town. So it's a matter of, yeah, you have to, you have to be willing, you have to have that abundance mindset. You know, Stephen Covey talks about it in the seven habits. You have to have abundance versus scarcity. And, you know, going back to your, one of your original questions today is, you know, what is one of my strengths? And I think it is that, like, I no longer have a scarcity mindset, be it on social media. Like I want to see everyone do well, be it in business. There's nothing in this world saying just because someone else is doing well, you can't be. Yeah, exactly. There's, um, it's like, just like you mentioned in the text in just the town of Albany, there's how many people living here, you know, we can all be successful. So you can, you can help one another. And it kind of reminds me of something that, um, that Penley told me on his like coaching philosophy, where he's like, my, my goal is to make it so that eventually the athlete doesn't need me anymore. I like, I give them so much and I teach them so much that they're sustainable. They can, when their career is over, they can be a coach themselves. So, so you just got to give, if you're in this kind of business, you just got to give everyone everything you got. You know, you can't hold it back. There are no secrets anymore. Yeah. And if they're not getting it from you, they're going to get it from someone else. So it might as well be you if you feel like you're, you're the best and you're, and you're a good coach. And, and, and again, take pride in, in the fact that, you know, 15 years later, thousands of people are doing CrossFit or have done CrossFit simply because you decided to open a box many years ago. Yeah. And all the competitions and PRs and everything that, that comes from it and babies and marriages and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I think someone asked me recently, like, what do you want in your legacy? And I don't know what I want it to be, but I certainly want to be a person that people look back on and like, wow, I accomplished this because I went to Albany CrossFit or because I met Jason or because he was my coach somewhere. And I know I feel that way about some people. So I hope that a handful of people feel that way about me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure maybe some people listening right now and reading might. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's nice all of these years later, because I'm sure I made mistakes and I'm sure people didn't handle it well and I didn't handle it well. But it's nice all these years later to get uh, an email or a text or even a phone call from someone saying, hey, we didn't realize how stressful that was or we didn't realize what box ownership really was like until we did it ourselves. So it, it's, it's cool to see that things do come full circle. Is there, is there, any, kinda, is there any person that maybe you had one of those dips with that you haven't maybe made up with or talked to since that maybe like uh, just on a rainy day, you're like, you know what, maybe I should just call that person and finally just bury the hatchet and, and we'll just put this behind us. And who knows, maybe something new will come off out of it. Is there anyone that comes to mind? And you don't have to say the name, but. Are you digging you, on purpose? Like, are you expecting me to say a specific person? No, 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 I'm not, not a specific person. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, like, do you ever think about stuff like that? I think about stuff like that before, you know, like people I've gotten in little tiffs with and, you know, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, you know what, maybe I should just call that person and be like, you know, I'm sorry that like, you know, like, you know, anything like that. Yeah, yes. I think it'd be very hard to be 41 years old and not feel like you've done that. So, you know, I mentioned Shy earlier in, in the book and, and Shy and I still communicate, you know, rarely is it like, Hey, how are you? Hope you have a good day. More yeah. like, Hey, you owe me money. Oh, you know, something like that. But, you know, I, I do feel like I at least want him to know I'm appreciative of the opportunity he gave me. Um, we did have a person, a mutual friend, Dean, 
who opened a box from me. And when he left, which was towards the end of my ownership at Albany CrossFit, I, like I said, I still didn't handle that one great because I felt like Dean, I don't know, I felt like I developed him for so long. And then I felt like he just left me. And he, he did it the right way. You know, he told me he was doing it. But years later, we, he and I had some great conversations. And I do feel like we overcame any animosity there to the point that we still communicate somewhat regularly. And then, you know, the last one you and I were discussing him earlier would be Caleb, who we talk about later in the book, who was my partner on the second box, CrossFit Clifton Park, which I believe now is Purebred Athletics. Yep. So we've never quite made up. And we were like very, very, very tight, as close to friends that I've ever had. And we had a huge falling out towards the end of Albany CrossFit and, and CrossFit Clifton Park at the same time. Recently, we've had a small interaction in a positive way on social media. Um, you know, we've not rekindled our friendship and we live, you know, across the country from one another now, but he would be someone that in the future, I probably would certainly like to hear how his life has been going. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's something good for probably everyone to reflect on like, Hey, who's that person I should pick up the phone and call and just bury the hatchet with again and see what's going on. Or even just think about, in general, like what are, what are my weaknesses? You know, what are my strengths? How, how can I improve? Cause all these things will do just make you better in the end. Yeah. That's not, we talked about a challenge in the last chapter and that's really, you know, maybe a challenge in this chapter is, Hey, reach out to one of those people. And I think what I've learned is oftentimes whether you feel like you were the instigator or not, the other person is often thinking the same thing, you know? So I've thought about Caleb over the years and again, it's hard not to see someone via the internet these days yeah um, you know so you know i've seen him and i've been very happy that he it looks like his life has been successful he's uh, married now his box looks like it's going well um you know and then he was the one that actually instigated the the communication so i would i would have thought he just hated me and never wanted to talk but little did i know he still thought about me and you know the other one i would throw in there are just like some ex-girlfriends along the way but those are probably not the, not, you know, maybe most people want to, you know, talk about things. I don't think exes do. Yeah. I think yeah, that'd be an, an interesting recap show on how that all went down. All, you know, although in, in years past, I have spoken to one or two and while they may be lying to me, but they, you know, they, we, we were able to exchange pleasantries and, and kind of at least feel like, okay, we're not together, but we also don't hate each other. I, I can remember at, at Albany CrossFit, the, the one, one person that sticks out in my mind was uh, got into a little bit of a shouting match with Chris Foley. Remember Chris Foley? Oh, I love Chris Foley. I still yeah. talk to him once in a while, yeah. Oh, yeah, he, he's a great guy. And I, I see him around. I saw him at a weightlifting meet over the summer. And, and he, you know, we were, were super friendly. We were always super friendly. You know, I was, he was a on the coaching staff and I was always trying to help him out, make him better. He would assist my classes. And this is like right around when you left. So I think you were already gone and we were doing some competition thing that was kind of like thrust upon us. It wasn't a competition that we wanted to do. It was just something that it was like a traveling competition from gym to gym. So we were like begrudgingly doing this event and you know, events are very stressful at Albany CrossFit. So there's all that event stress and there was some kind of issue with the scoring and 
Foley came over and he just caught me at the really wrong moment and whatnot. And, and we ended up getting in a shouting match over the scoring. And he's, he's like, uh, I'm like, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter, you know? And then thinking on it after that, it's like, okay, well, of course he cares. He's in the competition, you know? So it's like, I just didn't have that understanding in the moment because I'm just stressed out about everything. And then about a week or two later, we hadn't spoken at all. And I caught him in the hallway and I was like, Hey, I just want, wanted to apologize. You know, I, you know, I love you and whatnot. And he's actually, he's like, you know, man, I just haven't stopped thinking about it. And it's like, I'm so sorry the way I talked to you. So it's like, he had been thinking about how he wanted to apologize to me while I was thinking about how I wanted to apologize to him. So even though like I left the situation angry thinking and realizing that maybe I was in the wrong and he essentially did the same thing on his end. So sometimes you just have to talk it out, you know, and, and find that common ground again. Well, and I think that's a great example of had you not done that two weeks could have became two years very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, and then it's just like, what were we fighting about? Or, you know, or it gets worse. I think, you know, as I've matured, life is short, reach out to someone and whether, whether you're mad or whether you just haven't spoken to that person, there's a good challenge for this chapter. Reach out to one person, ideally someone that maybe you had a fight with, but maybe it's just someone you haven't spoken to in a while. And bonus points if it's an X. <laughs> bonus points. And let, <laughs> let us know how it goes either way. Yeah, we're going to have to come up with like a hashtag or something. But any of the challenges we do happen to throw out, which we don't have any planned, yeah. uh, please please let either James or myself know. You can you can email, you can text, you can find us both, I'm sure, on, on the internet with a simple Google search. Yeah. Well, Jay, that's all I've got for you today for chapter three. Uh, any other thoughts on dips as a box owner or a coach or an entrepreneur or just in life? Yeah, I think life is a series of dips, like I said. And, you know, if you only ever focus on the bad ones, the dips versus some of the the, the peaks and highs that you're going to have, it's very easy, you know, to to have a hard life. So just remember, dips are normal. And the, you know, the opposite of dips are some highs and you're going to have both, but just try to remain calm, not overreact, you know, especially this day and age on social media, everyone's only putting out the highs, but remember, everybody also has lows. Everybody has PRs, but everybody has mislifts as well. So don't only focus on those, focus on everything. And I think you'll, you'll be happier because of it. Yeah. Just take the time to learn from them. They happen for a reason. Exactly. All right. Well, later, Jay. Thanks again for listening to that special episode of Best Hour of Their Day. If you enjoyed, go ahead and download the book. You can check out the audio book. You can check out the paperback or even the ebook. We placed the link right in the show description. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.